Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Well, I'll tell you something. I'm sick of this errorism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually thinking of going like quite hard line against all of this errorism. Do you know what? I, I, I used to be an error pacifist. Uh-huh. And I realise now that that was anti-freedom. Yeah. It was anti-liberty. Mm. It was anti-flag, which well, we now know is the worst. Who saw that coming? No one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pro, I'm, you know, normally I'm against war, but on errorism, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Got to yeah, do, yeah. do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. It's about freedom. <laughs> and I think we can all agree that is the most important thing. This was, uh, that was just in case you're a, a little younger than us and you weren't around in the early 2000s. That's how people talked. <laughs> That's how grown-ups talked in the early 2000s. Uh, I remember it vividly as if I was there enduring every stupid fucking moment of it. <laughs> But nowadays, it looks like a lovely utopia that I wish we could return to. Absolutely. How are you doing, Red? You okay? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, yes, I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. Yeah, looking. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to people uh, discussing this one because I think War and Errorism is one of the one of the more popular No Effects albums. I think it's one of the least contested. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of when we've like met up with people, you know, fans of the podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. it is an album that gets mentioned more than I uh, uh, thought previously. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I thought everyone was just all about uh, punk and drublick and so long, but I, I think yeah. this one has e- equal amounts of love for it. I think. I think if you are if you are a nineties, mm, then. Yeah. Punk and Droblick and Slap Fats are going to be, and especially if, if that's when you got into them as well, that's going to be yes. sort of uh, the yardstick in it. But I think for, because when was this, 2002, mm-hmm. 2003, something like that. We get it right in the episode in the main body, don't worry. We've got all <laughs> the information there. If we're fuzzy on it now, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so I, I think, uh, I, yeah, I, I always uh, always found it weird back in the day when people said it was their favorite no effects album because i'm like the most recent one can't be your favorite that's weird <laughs> but you know it's just one of those weird rules that sometimes people have in their minds and i still can't quite shift over it but it's that thing as well it's also every latest album is the worst one until the next one and then the previous one was genius so you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and i don't think that people who aren't like big into music really understood that until the last three Star Wars films came out. <laughs> and everyone was going, I can't believe these new Star Wars films are so shit. They go, well, come on, they're better than the prequels. Go, no, the prequels was genius, actually. Like, where the fuck were you in the late 90s, you liar? <laughs> You're calling these pieces of shit. What is wrong with you now? Yeah, but at least there was no black people in it. You know. There was at least <laughs> hardly any women in it, like a normal Star Wars. You know. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so I'm just <sighs> call out culture. Thy name is Eddie. 
What have you been up to, Red? You been up to much? Uh, oh, yesterday we went to a tropical butterfly house. Oh, nice. Which was misleading because actually the tropical butterfly house is a part of where we went, but it was basically just a tiny zoo. Uh, yeah. They had they had everything. Like I met a lemur. Nice. Uh, I, um, I met an owl. I touched an owl. Oh. It was like an owl display. There was, there See was... an owl, touch it. To mm-hmm. All day long, you'll have touched an owl. There, there was parakeets, a Ooh. pony, alligators, an iguana. Nice. I could go on. Like There was a lot of things there. Uh, I would highly recommend the Tropical Butterfly House just outside of Sheffield. Oh, nice. There's a Tropical World just outside of Leeds. Yes, I saw that when I was like typing the place in. Is mm-hmm. that good? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I've been there a couple of times. It's uh, up near um, Roundway Park. Mm-hmm. So it's in Aspirate, leafy North Leeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. They um... beg your pardon. They have all of the things that one would want out of like you know tropical places. Uh, yeah. So it's got all the butterflies and stuff. Uh, then it also has a fish museum. Oh. Yeah, there's fish in there, and I think they've got some. Got a lot of birds, a lot of tropical birds in like big greenhouses that they flap around in. Yeah. Uh, meerkats, because come on, yeah, there was there was meerkats at the tropical uh, butterfly house. I think there might be more meerkats living in the UK than there are wherever they're from, which just shows how <laughs> little I've read any of the plaques up around them. Yeah, well, we 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 met some meerkats in Nottingham recently, like in a tiny little petting zoo they had meerkats mm. they were lovely yeah there's um i used to live when i when i lived in the south in my in my young youth we lived near a place called drusilla's uh-huh. which, was, which was a zoo park it's basically a, a really a, a pretty big zoo with like a massive adventure playground at the end of it um and uh, the the meerkats were their were their flagship animal but yes very good uh, and um, at Lotherton Hall uh, is the one we like to go to the most because they have a nocturnal bit where there are just loads of bats who live there, and they and they reverse it so that they um, during the day they have it all blacked out in there as if it is nighttime, and then at mm-hmm. nighttime they put the lights on so the bats all go to sleep as if it is the day, so you get to see them all flapping around and it is pretty cool. And uh, Emma and I have been. Uh, <laughs> We went on a bat walk a while ago, about a month oh, ago, yeah. uh, and uh, as soon as we got home, Emma bought bat detectors. So now <laughs> we sit on the back step some nights, uh, waiting to pick up the echolocation, uh, the hypersonic echolocation of bats, and then watch them flap around. It's pretty good. And I imagine this is the sort of punk rock talk that people know and love of the show. Yep. I I did I I went on that bat walk in a Tiger Army t-shirt obviously because <laughs> because so I I hardly see how this is not punk rock chat of the highest order. Look, sometimes what's more punk? Only doing punk things or sometimes going to see animals Absolutely. in their unnatural environment. Yeah, no, I mean like I I think that you know, in fact, I think that could be a TV show, you know, punks in, in, in zoos. You know how, like, comedians getting coffee? I feel yeah, like, yeah. you know, punk rockers just going around um, 
you know, enjoying. What's the deal with terrapins? You're not a turtle. You're not a tortoise. Make up your mind. (laughs) That's what I would do. Uh, How old are you? I want to date you. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a dirty boy, that Seinfeld. But apparently, because of his charming observations of everyday life, we'll just let him off. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I think you're right. I think punks in zoos, I think it would be uh, pretty good. This week, Jello Biafra goes to Whipsnade. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? It's pretty good, yeah. Well, I think, well, I think um, there'll definitely be some one of those punks with a PhD. Will def- like Greg Graffin will sort of point out all of the uh, evolutionary um, aspects of the animal. Yeah. So you go, oh, okay, that's that's... They've got cute noses, though, haven't they, Greg? Well, actually, their noses have evolved because blah, blah, blah. No, they've got cute <laughs> noses, Greg. Play along. Come on. I don't know. I can't do a Greg Graffin. Um, <laughs> but I think I got the vibe. Bless him. I love him. But uh, he does seem like uh, he seems like a very studious man, and that is to be applauded. I bet Fat Mike loves a zoo. You think? Yeah, I think he does. What do you think is every member of NoFX's favourite bit of a zoo? Oh, that's a great question. This is a new section, and may well, we're not doing War and Errorism this week. That's next week. <laughs> this is all zoo-based NoFX stuff, yeah. I think they're all fans of the monkeys. <sighs> I think, yeah. I you think know? I think Smelly is waiting for them to throw some shit. Mm. I think Melvin feels quite at home there. I think Hefe sort of, likes the capabreas. I think he he'll be imitating them. He'll be doing all the all the noises, won't he? <laughs> and Mike will be asking why he isn't in a cage. Yeah. Do you have any of these cages in an extra small? I would <laughs> like to be in it, please. And then <laughs> that is his zoo experience. <laughs> and I think they all like a photograph where you put your head through a hole and it is of you yeah. being a monkey or a zookeeper. We did that. There was there was little monkey <laughs> ones. Yeah. Good stuff. There you go. So we've answered that. If you have any uh, desire to know what a member of NoFX's favourite bit of a public attraction would be, s- send us it in. Punk yeah, or if you have suggestions. like yeah. Punkrockelitepodcast.gmail.com. Yeah, find out. I think in... Um, in uh, in the backstage passport uh, series, there was a. I think they were at a sort of a sanctuary in. It might have been South Africa. Cool. Where they were around a lot of like there was lots of big cat. Well, moderately big cats, like leopards and cheetahs size. Um, and they were sort of hanging around with them and looking at them and stuff. So they like the big cats, apparently. Yeah. That's cool. But who doesn't? I mean, you know, but, but there aren't many zoos in the UK with like big cats. Certainly not ones just on the outskirts of cities that you can get to within a 20 minute drive. Chester's got a lot of big cats. There's like a big lion, but he does look very sad. Yeah. Looks very sad. He walks around, he does roar, but I don't know, Matt. I think he just knows he's in Chester. It's weird, isn't it? And you go, we're going to take you to one of the two remaining walled cities in the UK. <gasps> you mean I'm going to York? No. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid you're not. You're going to Chester. 
Manchester? Oh, Manchester's pretty good. No, I'm sorry. No, I mumbled no, it no. on purpose, Lion. <laughs> oh, no. My, college, my uh, university changed from uh, Manchester to Chester while I was there. I've still oh, okay. got a man- I've got a degree from Manchester, but it was um uh it was Warrington Campus Manchester. And yeah, because isn't there even it, like a crew campus for Manchester? Yeah, oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah, like also, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um it was all of the all of the degrees were from Manchester, so you know, my degree says Manchester and my PTSD says Warrington, so, so. <laughs> Uh, but then uh, all the people who started after me, it was really weird. I was the last year to do A-levels where you just did rather than AS levels and stuff. This is oh, a right. uh, qualification in the UK for those uh, not sure. You did sort of four subjects from the ages of 16 to um, 18. And those results dictated whether you could get into the university you wanted to get into, assuming you wanted to go. And uh, my year was the last year to do that. And also all the people, when we were doing our A-levels, there were people below us doing AS levels. We're going, what are you talking about? Go, well, I've got these six classes. Six, nerd. Like, no, you dropped three of them. Like, what is the... Po-? So, yeah, I still don't understand <laughs> AS levels. Um, and then I was also the last year to get a Manchester degree from uh, Warrington. Wow. Yeah. Well I wonder done. what else I'll be the last to do. Well, it doesn't matter. So uh, so you've had a good time at the zoo? Yeah, we had a great time at the zoo. No complaints. It's strange, isn't it? Because I sort of feel like... I sort of don't like the idea of zoos. Mm. But some of them are probably all right, aren't they? It's the ones that are, like, I think, are well-ran by people that actually want to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's That's a big... That's the big difference, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, who knows? Anyway, if you've got a favourite zoo, let us know. Podcast at gmail.com. If Absolutely. you were particularly punk there, let us know that too. Yeah. Did did you let a toucan near your mohawk? Is that... <laughs> did you try and put a patch on a capybara? There's one of those at Loverton Hall. It's quite fun. They're great. They're the yeah, best. yeah. Really, really fun. Um, it lives. What does it live with? It lives with another animal. Anyway, we should probably get on to talking about war and errorism because uh, <laughs> we had a good time talking about war and errorism. We did, yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's because uh, we sort of record. We record these intros a little bit after we've recorded the main bodies, and sort of go back. What are we recording the intro for today? <gasps> War on Errorism, that's a mm-hmm. great one. So we're very excited. Um, we're, as we said last time, we're going a little bit weird uh, in the run up to Christmas. So it probably be fewer interviews, maybe some slightly unusual um, uh, episodes that are a bit, a bit uh, weird, that diverge a little bit. Uh, but hopefully you'll still enjoy them. It'll still be no effects mainly no effects focused content and then we'll see what's what yeah absolutely yeah so let's jump into the episode now we've kept you long enough this is war and errorism see you on the outro (laughs) tell you problem the big problem in the world is right now red what's that george w bush I, yes, I dislike that man. I can't believe the round of applause I just got in my head for publicly slagging that 
Well, I was going to say president. Pff, not much of a ruddy president, if you ask me. Do you, do you know, I've got a hot take. Go on. Okay, burn me. I don't think he's very clever. Whoa! Yeah, Imagine holding, holding such power and not being very clever. Fuck. <laughs> well, luckily, America learned from their mistake. <laughs> it does feel like cheap shot I mean, on it cheap shot i apologize but we'll get into it but it, it does yeah. feel silly doesn't it all like the rock against bush and you're like oh it, it can get worse <laughs> yeah i know it was it's um yeah no there's there's plenty to talk about well this is uh the war on errorism um yeah big deal big deal this album yeah very a much lot, a big deal a lot of firsts or not yeah i suppose so yeah a lot of um a lot of people changed their minds about no effects when they heard this. Yeah, some for the better, some for the worse. Yeah, absolutely. Some people thought, oh, finally, they're not just the um, sex change song joke band <laughs> yeah. or, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, they don't just do silly voices and shit. And I remember specifically um, when this album came out, it was, let me see, it was 2002 or three should know uh, that. yeah 2003 2003 it was the 6th of may 2003 i bought this on day of release ah i also bought the regaining unconsciousness uh ep before then as well um and i remember seeing some people who i hadn't seen for a little while and they were saying oh i heard the new no effects album i don't know i don't I don't really think they should be singing about politics. I think they should like just do songs about smoking weed like they used to. And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> what smoking weed songs can you... Ne- like?" Well, I suppose if um, you weren't aware of the irony behind drugs are good, you might think that... I know, but I, I know for a fact that uh, the people I was talking to had only heard the actual albums. The concept of EPs was not... Uh... Right not a one so yeah it was a weird one um i didn't uh yeah so um yeah i thought it was interesting i i thought it was it was the first time i'd really encountered people who didn't quite comprehend the idea of punk being a way of discussing politics yeah and that blew my mind that some people didn't get that well, if you don't think punk rock mixes with politics, you're wrong. That's, do you know what? That is incredibly astute. Yes, uh, <laughs> it is, absolutely. So we're talking about the war on errorism. We're a little all over the place. We'll introduce it properly. The ninth album. So we've only got, what, another six? Wow. Seven to do. <laughs> Maybe six, five, I don't know. But yeah, so the ninth, uh, 6th of May, 2003, uh, produced by Ryan Green and Fat Mike. So the classic um production lineup the dream team the dream team absolutely before ryan green and uh mike had uh whatever sort of a falling out they had oh i'd love Not, to hear the details of that i don't know if they had a falling out as such they just sort of stopped working together as much um recorded in motor studios which i think is fat mike's studios in uh, san francisco don't know if it's mm-hmm. still there uh Oh, wow. Recorded between January and April 2003 and released in May. So this is the fastest turnaround. Yeah. Uh, Also notable for being the first one that they uh, released on 
Fat first album. So the, all ah. the albums up to and including Pump Up the Valum had been out on Epitaph. And they put out their EPs and stuff through Fat. And for whatever reason, they left. And they are taking their time in terms of like recording now. Like, you know, obviously the early albums, they were like recording in a day or two. Yeah. But now this one's been recorded across like three months. Yes. Um, and it's a little more musically diverse, maybe. Sure. Okay. Or a little more musically. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for the word uh, adventurous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe I think the... you know, like it's a much more, um, you know, again, Mike's songwriting is is maturing. I think with each album. Yes. Yes, he's very mature in that he didn't include the song "Idiot Son of an Asshole." <laughs> but you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think so. Yeah. There's there's all sorts of stuff um, going on on this. Um, Fourteen songs, thirty six minutes. Um, and, uh, there is, uh, there are keyboards on this. Yes. There's, uh, all sorts of, um, uh, weird things going on. You've got, uh, Anarchy Camp, which, uh, features, um, Sasha from the Mad Caddies and, mm. uh, Ronnie King playing the guitars, additional guitars, probably the only guitars. Uh, we've got, uh, a saxophonist on Anarchy Camp as well. Uh, we've got um, some trombones going on, and uh, yeah, Hefe, uh, yeah, Hefe plays the horns on some of it too. So it's all good. Uh, the um, the saxophonist that they have play on the album is mm -hmm. Jason Freeze, and I, yes. I, I thought, oh, let me just check something, and it is, it, it's the brother of the Foo Fighters' new drummer, Josh Freeze. Yes, the brother of Josh. Um, and uh yes and he has played on so many he's played on uh vandals uh dweezil zapper uh laszlo bane who you may who you definitely know one of their songs because they did the theme tune to scrubs <laughs> uh engelbert humperdinck and, wow yeah weezer and no effects uh that was in the same year uh yep all sorts of people green day i think was a touring with Green Day as well, Perfect Circle, Goo Goo Dolls, Buster Rhymes, Zebrahead, um, Avenged Sevenfold. I, I don't know. P.O.D. Oh, he played keyboards for them. Yep, yep. Uh, so he's a session guy. Pitbull, <laughs> The Interrupters. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Dr. Dre. It's like Dr. Dre is like the opposite of Pitbull. Like really cool. Um. So yeah. lit. Wow. Uh, yeah, so busy, busy boy, Jason Freeze. Um, so it's like, yeah, look at my um, lineup of uh, of bands I've worked with. And like, oh, yeah, are you the drummer in the Foo Fighters? Oh, shut up, Jason. Shut up, Josh. <laughs> God, you always do this. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so you got a lot of people on that. And, of course, uh, just in case people thought I'd uh, missed it, we've got Karina Danike uh, appearing for the first time vocally on a NoFX album but certainly not appearing the first time on this podcast. Very well pointed out. Yes, she does the vibraphone and the vocals at the end of Mattersville. And uh, yeah, 
It's uh, I, oh, I'm that, gonna... so that that is actually oh, Karina's um, guesting on the album. Yes. Ah, cool. Yep. I was I was going to ask because um, yeah, it, it it sounds like her. Yes, absolutely. And so she, yeah, she's playing the the vibraphone and uh, singing the melody at the end. And I'm going to come out and say it. This is uh, possibly top three for me. You think top three album of No Effects? Maybe, maybe. I think it's definitely up there. I was blown away by how far you get in to the album before there's like what would be considered an album track and not a No Effects classic. Yes, um, I think I would say the first four songs are almost... Yeah, our, our absolute bangers. But then also, like, the first six are mm. songs that you could very likely hear at any No Effects uh, um, gig. Yes, very possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the And, yeah, and that's about it, really, isn't it? Um, Media Core and uh, Whoops, I OD'd. Yeah. Um, so, which is a lot for a fourteen-track album to have those basically half of it be sort of almost set, you know set list regulars. Mm-hmm. They don't have that from um, Valum, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, I think it's a, it's a cracking bit of work. Um, it's uh, that's one of the most popular albums uh, to say that it's really really good. I mean. Oh, the hot takes are burning a hole in the roof in this place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was obviously it's it's very political. It's very tied up with the punk voter and all of that kind of stuff. We were also uh, lucky enough to bump into a couple uh, fans of the podcast at a recent uh, Teenage Bottle Rocket show in Leeds last week yes. uh, or this week. And um, mm-hmm. one of the guys we bumped into, I believe his name is Jez. I think we met Jez and George. Um, Jez said that this is his favorite album of theirs, yes. which I think is really cool. Like, uh, I, I've heard more NoFX fans have dissenting opinions on this album than people say, oh, this is my favorite. Um, so it's nice to hear cause I do think it's one of the best ones. Yeah, I really do. I remember when it came out, I remember thinking that it was, I remember thinking it was notably a more mature album in it i don't know it, it's weird it's it, they've not really done sort of joke songs in the way of like new boobs or um that kind of vibe my vagina doesn't sound like a joke song i, I wonder not like, if it's not like comedic in its tone it is mm. sort of and it's not even that comedic in its lyrics it's sort of more sort of juvenile, I suppose, than it is comedic. But th- there's less of that on on this album. I wonder if uh, they may, you know, like um, omitting the song Idiot Son of an Asshole. I wonder mm. if that is down to them sort of going like, no, we want this to be a little bit more serious than what we'd usually do. Perhaps, although I would... I could believe that, but I could also believe it being um, that they just felt it wasn't as good a song 
as yeah, sure. the rest of them, like musically, like it is sort of, um, it, it is kind of tossed off in an afternoon kind of thing compared to the other. I know you write some quickly, but you know, rather than that kind of thing. So I, I, it could be either. It could be either though. Um, it did, it did well. Um, in uh in how it was received by the press and stuff the reviews uh all music it's got a four star um i don't know who robert christgau is um but he gave it an a minus um people have been say you know it, oh it got to let me see reached number one in the billboard independent album chart and 44 in the billboard top 200 so it's pretty mm-hmm. good yeah, pretty great. Um and and I think it being I think it being sort of anti anti Bush outwardly may have had something to do with that. People people were at this point two, halfway through 2003, so we've had essentially 2 years of George Bush's presidency just about. And obviously, you know, quite shortly into his presidency 9-11 happened and that changed everything and American foreign policy became very aggressive. It kind of feels like NoFX's first and potentially only attempt at being topical. Yes, and I think um and I think obviously uh spoilers for anyone who's not uh, read up on the uh uh presidential election of 2004 but george bush got in for a second term um Mm. which is typical for wartime presidents apparently um if you if you if if you are involved in a war you get a second term generally speaking there's Um, also like you're not um, not assassinated there is a little bit of a pattern with um uh right-leaning uh political figures getting second terms um, during a lot of sort of like liberal backlash in culture and comedy. So for instance, like Margaret Thatcher um, making it through all of like the, the, the alternative comedy of the late eighties were, yes. were very anti her. It, it seemed to almost bolster her support in, in, in certain parts of the country. I mean, for anyone who thinks that these current culture wars that we're currently enjoying are new, it's it, yeah. it they're not they've just got different words for it um <laughs> yeah. so in my day they didn't accuse you of being woke they said you were pc that's what they used to call you and it's it means the same thing in the minds of morons but anyway we're, <laughs> we're digressing we're here to talk about this record um, oh yeah and sure. we should do because it's brilliant um so we start off with i mean as far as opening tra- they're an opening track band yeah, we've said this on the podcast before. Their opening tracks are usually yep. uh, bangers, with the exception of was it Heavy Petting Zoo opens with Hobophobic? Yes, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Valum opens with um, a joke. Now for something completely similar. Oh yeah, which is uh, which is a shame because if it opened with Dinosaurs Will Die, come which on. it should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really should. Um, but you know, I think their greatest albums. hits might even start with "Dinosaurs May Die." I think so. 
I'm not sure. I don't own that one, but um, uh, if it does, it's a great shout. The only issue I have with separation of church and state... It does. Oh, cool. The only issue I have is it starts with that very irritating little sketch of the of the children oh yeah and um surplus to requirements for me but you know that's fine but it's they, uh they do do that with a few songs i think from like this point on as well like i know oh, that's how they start the leads, coaster uh the leads a week yes of course yes they do um the yes yeah, so they, they do do that again it's not my favorite way especially when it starts off with such a cool riff yeah i i mean i do agree to a point but i would say like i i think it's uh it's you know it, it's the um the intro bit of a song that i most remember from no effects like i feel like the hey kids do you want to go to the punk rock show like i don't know like i always remember that i think it's the most memorable little intro that they have on a record it is it is and it's also tonally appropriate because it's mm-hmm. like oh punk rock is for children now <laughs> and, yeah, of course. and that's the you know the separation of church and skates when did punk rock become so safe um it's uh it it's great musically it's wonderful uh, this album is a bit less again we're, we're they're moving the distortion to less and less there's less gain on the guitars than there was on valum for example the guitars are getting cleaner but that's brilliant and you've got that um that lovely sound you know and there's a they're getting a bit riffier and there's all sorts of stuff there's the weird sort of outro bit as well um that Mm -hmm. sort of sort of almost acdc ish little yes uh, thing at the end but i i think and it it, it's uh they trade off vocals in the chorus with melvin and mike and hefe on a, a couple of lines as well and that sounds brilliant to me i i think it's uh really really exciting so i, yeah. I also believe that mike has said on more than one occasion that the uh the separation of church and state uh church and skate mm-hmm. is um their best song he yeah he he's very very fond of this one uh i've heard him say on several occasions it's their best one or it's top three or whatever yeah definitely i i think dinosaurs will die is a stronger song from a music writing standpoint i think this one which i think is quite interesting um because i don't think i think this song does something that no effects don't usually do because this song does repeat verse and chorus a few times and that generally, no effects don't tend to do that on some of their bigger songs. Like Linoleum doesn't really have uh, yeah. repeated beats um, or bars or whatever. This but... album is quite conventional in the songwriting. Yes. Yeah, it is. Because you've got Franco on American, you've got uh, She's Nubs, mm-hmm. Mattersville. A lot of these songs can be verse, chorus, verse quite easily. Yeah. In fact, now I'm thinking about it, most of them can. Um, not to say there aren't clever songwriting bits within those and and um, creative lyricism and, and the rest of it, but for uh, but for how Mike often talks about, he sort of writes songs in a weird way. These are all pretty conventional from a songwriting structure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Broadly um, speaking, I'd say anyway. Um, but I feel like they've earned that because they yeah. haven't done that on on past albums. But also, no, I I do you know what? I think this whole album is a non-skipper for me. Oh, really? I absolutely. There's nothing on this <clears> where I would skip. For me, I think. Uh, you know, after the first sort of like, I, I do think it kind of runs out of steam a little bit towards the midpoint of the album. Um, I wouldn't say there's a bad I song think on it, it. I think it's front loaded. Yeah, but certainly like big time. But um, but I think it's spread out neatly enough so that because um, you get this sort of. Um, you get this sort of, like the first two songs, including your favourite, The Irrationality of Rationality. It's the best one. <laughs> it's great. It, but those, Church and Skate is quite fast. Irrationality of Rationality is like sort of, you know, um, so long speed. Yeah. You know, is like real, that fat records drum beat, you know, the, uh, that kind of feel. And then Franco on American is sort of, you know, mid-tempo, but well, mm-hmm. slightly higher than mid-tempo. It's it's not like heavy petting zoo slow, but it's bouncy. It's like a pogo kind of speed. I think it's and, unlike anything else in their discography, uh, yeah. Franco on American. It's someone, uh, one reviewer described it as like sort of new wave. And I suppose it is uh, in that it's got that, it's almost sort of got little Devo moments. And I suppose the keyboard yeah. helps as well. Um, and then, um, yeah, idiots are taking over where we get that beautiful bass work and, um, and that sort of quite, and then you get to Massesville, which is sort of a bit calmer decomposer, but then media core, which is sort of really slow and yeah. And, but in a sort of deliberate way and then anarchy camp coming in with a very jaunty scar thing. And then, and then it. And then American Errorist and We Got Two Jealous Agains really picks it back up again and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. So I'm, I, we'll, we'll go into these a bit more um, in depth. But yeah, so start off really, really high high tempo with the first two. And and they're just great. And I think Irrationality of Rationality lyrically captures this album. Yeah, definitely. And it's actually... Um... When I re-listened to this recently, I was kind of struck by, you know, I don't think the whole album is uh, is as political as I remember. No, I th- no, it I, isn't. I think it starts very much in that vein, but then it sort of slinks back into slightly more standard no effects. But yeah, I, I think this second track in particular is like the soul of the album. Well, two, three, and four... Yeah. Songs two, three, and four, they are the sort of the political core of it. Yeah. And American Errorist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's about it, really. Because Separation of Church and Skate is Fat Mike doing his favorite thing, lamenting that punk is not the same as it used to be. Um, <laughs> that flat, that cloud is not going to uh, shout at itself. Back in my day. Hey, what's going on? Hey, look at all of this. Do what you have in there? Fries and coke, honestly. Yeah. Have couldn't, some speed. Couldn't move for circle pits back in my day. We'd wake up 
I'd have a circle pit in my bedroom with <laughs> Nana. Would, would get, get, Nana would say, you're missing best part at circle pit. You go, no, I want some <laughs> fries and cokes. You know you don't. Get in here. <laughs> so we'd slam dance to school. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's a that's a lovely image. Um, I'm just imagining the um, the Circle Jerks cartoon guy just just doing those dance moves just just to school, which actually makes him look like Jason Mewes in any given um, Kevin Smith movie. Just just <laughs> randomly hardcore dancing in a grocery store, which uh, is a very appealing image. But um, yeah, so you've got all that. It's um, Punk isn't punk anymore, or punk isn't um, frightening anymore. And I think he sort of said that because the 90s was so good to be in a punk band, you could actually make money off of CDs, you could tour, you could, he's like, you know, we, people, you know, people who were in reasonably successful bands in the 90s had it pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And then everything changed with sort of the musical piracy and all this stuff. And also, international politics changed quite a lot and you know um restrictions on just airports and stuff what you could take through to other countries what you could do coming back and all the rest of it you know yeah um everything became a lot more and and also that sort of certain political groups and activist groups really sort of latched on to the post 9-11 feeling to sort of go, ah, finally, we can do some of this. Remember the 50s when everyone loved America because we were so good? And lots <laughs> of people go, I'm not sure that was. Do you remember how good it was? Well, I don't know. I think there's two sides to that. Do you remember how good everyone enjoyed us? And then, um, yeah, and all the rest of it. So uh, we used to just turn up helping out other countries by bringing them stockings and chocolate. Uh, you know, all the rest of it. Very specific World War Two reference there. Never pay it no mind. But um uh and so I think that and and also seeing sort of certain but I mean certainly like New York bands were very like fuck Al Qaeda and all this stuff, and there was a sort of like it's like well, okay, yeah, fuck Al Qaeda's fine, but you know, fuck the Muslim population of the world in general. It's like no, that's not what anyone is, and so mm-hmm. they're so particularly sort of New York bands would be very uh, because it happened where the least place to expect it was a surprise. No one's denying that, but I think um, that there was some sort of weird patriotism a lot very few people were sort of criticizing the president for a bit of time because obviously i mean i get that's quite a hard job if you've been at a job for a week and the building explodes and you're in charge of buildings not exploding (laughs) you've you've got a lot of you've got a lot of um extra work on your on your hands you know so maybe that I've, i've talked for a very long time about that talk about this more uh better but i think but the thing is irrationality of rationality is not overtly international politics it's very much about it's got similar things to the decline yeah it's about social economics and it is you're right i mean it is about the decline of you know the, the economic system i guess in america it is like a sort of coda to the decline or like a sort of yeah an appendix mm-hmm of here are some other stories we could have included 
about the woman who has to live in her car and you know and about you know this guy who um you know um and the guy who sort of you know makes a lot of money for a company and can't afford anything all of these things um and i think it's really expertly done i think the lyrics in this one particularly are excellent because they are stark and confrontational and sort of very explicit without being sort of titillating is not the right word but without being sort of Ooh, look at this. Isn't this lascivious? Ooh, I bet you all want to have a look at this. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, I, I do completely know what you mean. And I think that's like this. This is particularly like the song that I think of when I say like, there's more mature songwriting on here mm. than previous albums. Like they're, they're going for subjects that aren't as uh, fanciful as what they would normally write about. It's quite bleak, really. It's a very bleak song, and uh, and I'm glad you uh, and I'm glad it's someone's favorite because it is brilliant. It's banging, and it doesn't get a lot of mentions. No, it doesn't, and I, I always get really annoyed. Like I don't know, like this is that's something that I'd love to hear live. I don't know if it's because it's in between Church and Skate and Franco and American that it's <laughs> slightly overlooked because those are two <laughs> super popular ones that I've seen them play live many times. Um, yeah, I think it just kind of gets lost in the mix because, you know, and after that, you've got Idiots Are Taking Over, which is another, you know, yeah. quintessential NoFX classic. It, it's, um, yeah, it, it's really, really strange that that one gets overlooked because uh, I think you're right. It, it is it is wonderful. Yeah, Idiots Are Taking Over, which is sort of, again, it's sort of small P political. It's not outwardly saying it's not outwardly about george but it's sort of suggesting that the george bush election the the electing of george bush was a symptom of of a much bigger problem yeah absolutely i also think that idiots are taking over may be the song that i've heard most at a no effects concert like i'm pretty sure every time i've seen them they've played mm. idiots are taking over well, it's got the the wonderful bass, uh, triple roll bass thing, yeah, and and it is great, and I think I think it is it is uh, one of their best. It's it's weird. It's not one that my brain immediately leaps to, but every time I hear it, I just go, "Oh yeah, no, this is this is proper though, isn't it? This is this is yeah. something else." Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's absolutely wonderful. The um, so yeah, so those first four are sort of very confrontational and um sort of straight up, you know, very um uh sort of forthright. There, yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah. there's Absolutely. no no punches pulled. And I thought it's quite interesting that when we went to see No Effects for their second last ever show in the UK at Leeds. Um, I was surprised to hear Franco on American because they put that in the set. They did. Um, and my understanding is, is that that song did particularly well in the UK, like more so than their previous work. Oh, very possibly. Yeah, I know it. Well, they had a video for it. So they did, I think yeah. it was on M2. It was probably on Kerrang. If Kerrang the, their video the always reminds me of like, you know, like the, is it like the Weebly stuff? You know, like, like the yeah. David Firth 
Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll um, yeah. Flash it was, cartoons. It was yeah, there. There was a flash animation, which I think is why they agreed to it because they didn't have to film it. <laughs> so they're like, oh, someone else is going to do. It. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, go on. Um, so yeah, no, it was. It was uh, a bit. Um, have to. Uh, I have to ask David if uh, how he feels about. Uh, being one of the most ripped off animators um also ask him if he's a fan of no effects because that's a good point i will do yeah a david be. firth episode would be would be great I've, uh, i was lucky enough to work with him when he did a, a salad fingers tour a few years ago if you don't know david firth he's a an animator that is has got a, a massive cult following here in the mm. uk he made fatpie.com um, yep fatpie.com he did salad fingers he did burnt face man mm-hmm. um and he's a little bit of a legend and very very interesting um visual artist yes and a, and a very nice guy yeah very nice also it's not as musically confrontational as a lot of no effect stuff so yeah. if people are sort of I, I, I don't mind a bit of the old, uh, bit of the old punk rock. I, uh, hey, uh, all the small things. Am I right? You know, it's if that's their idea rather than, you know, something a bit more abrasive, then then it would be more accessible. Well, I think that Franco and American may be the first no effects song where I was like, oh yeah, no, I like all of this. Like, because I think I'd heard other bits of No Effects, and I was like, "Yeah, this is good. This is interesting. I don't know. There's something about this that I enjoy." But I think Franco and American was the first No Effects song that I listened all the way through, and was like, "Oh yeah, no, that's a banger." I think it's. Uh, I think it's also. Um, it's got that lovely catchy keyboard riff, um, and also yeah. Mike's vocals are pretty good by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't care for the tone of his voice, I, I appreciate it. But he was actually, you know, able to sing his own songs by this point quite comfortably whereas if you um even if you were to hear like don't call me white which is good mm-hmm. the voice is strained as, yeah. as as wonderful as it is and anything before that if you'd heard like i don't know sticking in my eye yeah that sounds like someone really wrestling with their own throat to try <laughs> and make make it happen whereas with this it, it seems to be working Hello everyone, Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite, or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. We get to the first sort of light break um, here in uh, She's Nubs. Yeah. About uh, about uh, legend Tali Osborne. Um, some inaccuracies. Um, she she does have uh, feet. Yeah. She just she just doesn't have legs. Well, she there has very go. very. Well, she has uh, severely shortened legs. But anyway, that was um, uh, yeah about about someone they met. My my si- I remember my sister who likes No Effects, um, said um, yeah I didn't really like that song. I thought it was a bit distasteful to just make up a woman who um, didn't have any arms or legs. Oh, right. Yeah. And I said uh, oh no, it's about a friend of theirs. And she went really. And then um, then her husband suddenly got his phone out and went oh yeah look and then showed her um the uh tally's uh um 
Instagram account. And uh, my sister oh, oh, well, I, I like the song now. It's like, like, <laughs> Fair enough. Everything about it was enjoyable, but it was like slightly distasteful to sort of, you know, what was this sort of boxing Helena kind of um, vibe to it? And it was like, oh, no, no, that's about a real, a real lady who, who is broadly speaking that description. Oh, okay. Then. And and it feels like this song is a little bit more like, you know, the, the classic no effects that you're yeah. probably more used to at this point in that they are, you know, it's a song like romanticizing the punk scene. Yes. Um, yes. That, yeah. It, it's about, it's about a character from the punk scene. Yeah. It's the same as Bob or. Um, and know. telling Tim. Yeah, the Moron Brothers or anything like that. It's it it's it belongs in that family of songs. Mm-hmm. It paints a much nicer picture of the subject, but it's still the same. Uh, you know, the same thing. Um, because and- I don't think this song would be out of place on so long. No, like it would obviously. You know, they would record yeah. it slightly differently. But yeah, I think yeah. songwriting wise, I think it fits in with oh, what yeah, they're yeah, doing okay, so yeah. long. Yes. Yes, I think so. Actually, yeah, you're right. Um, and then leads us to sort of Mattersville, which is um, sort of musically the biggest leap from what No Effects have done before mm-hmm. so far. Um, I'm always surprised that Mattersville comes here in the album at track six. Like you're approaching like the midpoint of the album. Mm. I-, I feel like this is a closing track. Really. Yeah, because they've used it so often as a, like, they kind of use it as a closing track sometimes in their live set. Oh, okay. Um, Or at least very much towards the end. Mm. And with it obviously being about, you know, them getting old and dying. It's it's about retirement, I suppose. So yeah, yeah, having it towards the end would make a bit more sense thematically. Okay, I see what you mean. I think like right before or right after Whoops IOD'd is where I would put this song. But, um, you know, that's just me. Fine, sure. Um, I, I, do, I do like it. Again, it's, uh, we've, we've got two songs, in fact, technically, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, and nine can all be put in the um, punk rock as a family and sometimes we hate it. <laughs> category Very good, yeah. Of uh, of songs, because yeah, Massville is like, well, we're going to live in a gated community <clears throat> where we can just sort of, you know, hang out a bit and not do too much because sometimes we, because we are old and uh, stuff. And they were doing this. When was this released? This was released twenty years ago. Wow. Tw- the, yeah, this is uh, twenty years ago in in may so we've just passed the 20th anniversary of the war on errorism 20 years ago they were saying we're probably going to retire in a couple of years um <laughs> so um so there we go they got it right eventually um a, a sad fact though is obviously they talk about living in this gated community in mattersville and all of that but they were saying at the when we saw them at leeds that um right before they played this song actually mike was like oh we actually haven't done any of the stuff that we're about to sing about because I live in Las Vegas and uh, Melvin, who used to live, you know, two doors down from me, lives in Mm. San Diego. So we're actually, you know, a a place the way we've ever been. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sad. It is sad. Um, But I I imagine this, I imagine this wasn't um, 
Now, th- this was done by a band who were e- comfortably in their, what, 30s, maybe, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so definitely they weren't like, right, we have all got a promise that when we are old, we will all live in a big street and, and we can't have cops, right? And only our friends can come in. It's like the No <laughs> Homers Club or something. It's like, um, you know, so. But, uh, but I, I do like it. It's... Um, it's pretretty fun it's uh, maybe the nearest I get to the skipping to be honest but uh, really but I still don't I do like it a lot I I absolutely love Matt as well for me right and this is a little bit of a hot but, take but, but like, I told you right I don't skip anything on this album this album is is a non-skipper for me so uh, yeah but it's I don't know it's um yeah anyway maybe it's something to do with the mix or something but anyway sorry do go on for me though hot take mm-hmm. i could happily turn the album off after mattersville really <laughs> yeah wow i just think i just think you've had all the best stuff I, I don't think there's after mattersville there isn't a song that i'm like looking forward to the most i'd probably look forward to is like whoops i od'd i think it's a really interesting song um mm. when compared to like the rest of their catalog but like i i, I just feel like all of the best stuff is tracks one to six. Wow. And there's some good stuff afterwards, but nothing that exceeds what's come before it. I'm well, sorry, guys. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's, <laughs> it's certainly not how uh, how I feel about that one. Um, I... Uh... Well, let's, let, let, let's, let's go forward. So we've got Decomposer, yeah. which is... Obviously, about a, 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 a punk, an old aging poser punk, supposedly. Yeah, something like that. You know, it's um, beg your pardon. Uh, what, yeah. uh, what's the deal with um, because I've noticed it on a couple albums now because I think they have a song called Poser on is it uh, Liberal Animation? Um, but uh, what's they've... the deal with the spelling of poser? I don't know. It's like poseur. Yeah, I know. I don't know if it's. I don't. But know I think it's... it still means poser. I know. Is that is that how you spell composer? If you took off the D, I can't spell. So um, <laughs> I really, I'm, my spelling's appalling. So I just look at it and go, yeah, whatever. Um, poseur. I don't know unless that was some sort of thing like, oh, check out the poseurs over there. I think it is just like the original spelling. It could be. Um, I honestly don't know. Um, but yeah, so I suppose it's... Um, this is one with quite abstract lyrics. It's just about a woman... Um, and yeah, so there's no real... Uh, there's a great solo on it, though. The guitar solo is amazing on this one. I really like it. I, I think one thing that stands out on this album is like they're clearly, you know, finally, like... <laughs> really letting Hefe stretch his legs in terms of guitar solos. They are, yeah, I think so. There's some, and there's just some uh, stuff like on um, uh, the beginning where we got Two Jealous Again, so there's just a little sort of guitar, you know, bit, because um, it just starts off ding, 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 like all the whole band together. And then he gets like, new, 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 new. You know, he gets some, uh, he gets some little flourishes here and there, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I like about Decomposer the most, I think, is the music, because you've got those, um, 
just the bass and the drums and then the two guitars playing opposite one another that sort that all sounds great to me you know um so yeah i uh i think it's uh i it's not it's one of those ones that i hope hope is in that uh, coffee table book of lyrics because uh, it's quite abstract but uh, but i do like it um mediocre yeah I, which you is, know which is how good. one of my friends still insists on pronouncing mediocre um <laughs> uh, only because uh, he never heard it said out loud and so thought it was pronounced mediocre and then um and then i said it's pronounced mediocre and they're one of those people that when you tell them something they assume that means you think they're a cunt <laughs> so they just refuse to uh, go along with it so you know but anyway uh yeah i think um it's it, it's quite good it's again it's just complaining about it, it's sort of separation of church and skate yeah but but from a creative perspective rather than a danger perspective and i think it has one of the uh lyrics in the album that's um i don't know most um uh you know another another lyric that sort of like speaks to the soul of the album uh, with the whole um sing a song so all the what the, the kids I'll can make sing it along so all the kids can sing along because that's kind of like they are, you know, obviously half this album is very political against mm. uh, George Bush. But I think there is also a second half of this album that is about the the popification of punk music. Yes. Well, you might fool the kids, but you don't fool me. Mm. It's. Uh, yeah, I think it's. Um, and it's also a bit like 60 uh, percent. Yeah. In the, there's that bit. Are you ready to rock? How are you all doing tonight? You condescending fucks. Um <laughs> and so and then at the end they get a bit of self-deprecation in. This song sounds like 15 you've heard before, mediocre. And I I think it's uh I think it's taking taking oneself and one scene and possibly even one's friends to task for resting on laurels when now is precisely the time that no one should be resting on any laurels personally, politically, or creatively, mm-hmm. which to be honest is every time. But I imagine in 2003, it felt like that writ large. Yeah. And again, yes. like I, I see a maturity in songwriting here, not just from like a lyrical point of view, but like, uh, you know, m- musically it jumps around in terms of like tempos a little bit. There's mm-hmm. some great um, percussion work from, sand in on this one yes um it, it, think, this is a good little this is a good track i think the um the bit with the sing sing a song all mm-hmm. that stuff and it's got the little jaunty bits and it's got the harmonies and all the rest of it and it's all clean i think that might be their best use of a non-punk genre to actually okay. make a point yeah because they've done you know the They've done other bits like successfully, like like in New Boobs, for example, the do what bit. It there's no thematic aspect. Mm-hmm. It is done well, like all of the layers and stuff. It does make sense, you know. They've done other stuff, the polkery stuff in um, theme for a no from a no effects album and stuff. It's all done well, but this one's actually reinforcing the point of the song, which is a little step 
further in songwriting um uh complex not complexity what's the word i'm looking for it's like being complex but it's when you get good at something anyway um <laughs> competence yes say again competence maybe yeah like competence but better than that um and then uh, make fun of some anarchists for track number nine, Anarchy Camp. Yeah, you know, like, I think this song gets better as it goes on, but yeah. it's it's not one of my favourites. It's, it's not one of mine. Um, it's sonically, it's a nice break. Yeah, and I do appreciate the inclusion of saxophones here because that's not, uh, you know, you hear woodwind in... Um, uh, no effect songs, but rarely a saxophone. No, you get you get your brass from the uh, Hefe's trumpet, and also I think you know trombone occasionally, although someone yeah. else is joining in with the trombones on this one. And um, and yeah, so you get you get that, and I think you know just a bit of sonic difference, and yeah, I like uh, I, even I li- in like when they did the orchestral version of the decline. I don't think they had saxophones; they had a bassoon. Well, yeah, just to show up bad religion, the bassoonless twats. But um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, there may have been a, I can't remember seeing one though. I don't know. Saxophones are, I don't think of them as being particularly orchestral. I don't know why. Yeah. It's very strange because you'd have thought they've been around for as long as the rest of this shit, haven't they? Come on. Anyway, but yeah, Anarchy Camp just sort of, you know, I think the, the, the lyrics are quite funny. I think it actually yeah. works on that level. If you see somebody taking control, you'll be expected to beat them. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's fine. Um, we get back to um, some actual politics here mm-hmm. uh, with um, American errorist brackets. I hate hate haters. Um, and I think, uh, and I think it's a response to that thing of, uh, oh, well, you're talking about how much hate these people have, but you hate them. So that means you're as bad, which is <laughs> the most milk toast fucking response to anything where these, you know, it's what a centrist would say. <laughs> and, and I think that certainly, um, I think certainly around this time for me in my life, which I was about 20 when this came out, just get nearly 20. Um, I think the idea of people who go, hey, 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 why don't we have a listen to what both sides have to say was it was the first time I'd encountered that and it hadn't been reasonable. <laughs> like, like, you know, when you sort of go, well, there's two sides to every story because, you know, you heard that when... One kid goes, that kid called me an idiot. And you go, yes, but you had just thrown some paint at them. So, you know, and it was that kind of, <laughs> that's when that was used, you know, up until that point for kids arguing and shit. And so, yeah, I, I like, it's it's a bit forgettable, but um, I it's brief enough. It's actually pretty short so that it does work quite nicely for me anyway. Yes. And there are some, like, the songs are getting a little bit briefer, around this point anyway they get a bit longer towards the end but like these next three songs errorist uh 
two jealous agains and 13 stitches are mm. all around the two minute mark yes and i think um i think it's actually paced quite well this album yeah sure uh, as far as tempos upsy downsy um sort of ideas and stuff and um styles as well so I think it's it's a very very well paced. It's a it's a pretty well thought out album. Uh, we actually get to one of my favourites on this album, which is we got two jealous agains. I will admit, like around this point in the album, the songs kind of like blend into each other for <laughs> me. But I do I do really enjoy regaining unconsciousness. Yeah, I I love we got two jealous agains. Um, I think it's I but I'm. I'm quite a sucker for list songs, uh-huh. like that, because he's just listing all of the same, all of the albums that he noticed his wife had, and it's the reason that he's sort of fallen in love with her. And um, <clears throat> pardon me, which does lead to a later, later song called "I Got One Jealous Again Again." About he and his wife's divorce, <laughs> which is uh, an infinitely uh, less enjoyable song for several reasons. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like talking about Earth AD, Killing Joke, Adolescence, Rudimentary Peni, Seven Seconds, uh, some comps, you know, compilations and stuff. Uh, the Damned, Machine Gun Etiquette, and all of this kind of stuff. And I um, and I really really like it. I put it in the same category of songs as um 29 times the pain or 59 times the pain i forget by wild hearts which is just listing ginger listing all of his favorite bands fair enough and uh and i i really do like it but i think it's super catchy i think it's it's a really fast song lyrically and sort of fitting all of those albums together in the lyrics really works for me um and it also gave me basically at sort of 19 20 years old it gave me a list of things i had to go and listen to mm, yeah so that was very handy it was like extra liner notes and stuff you don't you you're not you're not particularly uh sold on this one or you just no, don't you, you know i don't dislike them like and i do think the standard of album tracks on this album is higher than a lot of their other stuff like there isn't i don't think there's a bad track on here mm. but i just think when you've got those first six songs, I mean, those are some of NoFX's best songs. And mm. so these, you know, higher, these above average album tracks towards the end just don't hit the same spot because I've been spoiled mm. with the first six tracks. Gotcha. Um, yes, it's... Um, I... Yes, I suppose it is because uh, it is it is a front loaded album. I'll, I'll guarantee that. Um, I get thirteen stitches. Um, I like this song a lot. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a very competently done story. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I really like the weird production on it. And you know, it, again, it's another one where you know, Mike's songwriting has got really good at this point. Like. I think mm. he's one of the most improved songwriters over their career. Oh, I think so, yeah. But this, yeah, this one is just a great story about getting into the Descendants and then getting 
getting assaulted by uh by a suicidal and having to go to the hospital it's just two little stories just put together and i suppose it's it's another song that fits into arguably the third theme of this album which is reminiscing about the good old days yes absolutely well yeah when you could just you could you could go to a show and you could miss dirty rotten imbeciles because you'd been thrown into a post by a member of the suicidal tendencies gang you know i saw uk subs for a shilling I remember seeing Animal from the Anti-Nowhere League eating a bag of chips and I thought that's more punk than going to see the show. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. I I once sneezed next to 999's drummer. It didn't do me any harm. So I don't know why I've got to wear a mask now. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> I'm not going rebellion if they say they're wearing masks. Um, <laughs> oh, me angina. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah. That, but it is, yeah. It's uh, Although this one doesn't really say good or bad. It's just... Um, just... No effects should do a song called My Angina. <laughs> <laughs> like an updated My Vagina <laughs> my about angina their ailing hearts. And my left arm twitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be relevant one day. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, but yeah, no, I really like 13 Stitches. Um, I, I think it's so weird um, how they mm-hmm. chose to record it, but it sounds great. And yeah, and Regaining Unconsciousness, they were sort of, I mean, you say they front-loaded all of the, the all the best songs at the front. I think they kept Regaining Unconsciousness for... Um, for a little kick up the arse right at the end. Yeah, I do agree. I think this is uh, my favourite track of the second half. Uh, I think it's really good. And, I, yeah, you know, I, I don't hear it um, replayed enough. Like, I think this would fit into a live set nicely. Mm. Yes, well, it's that, you know, there was no one left to notice when they came for us kind of thing. And it's like... um. It's like, yeah, all right, yeah, they're they're um, they're currently coming for people you don't like, but they'll be coming for people exactly like you. Don't you worry about it, you know. It's, um, <laughs> I think it's uh, a really, really well done bit of work. Some of the best, uh, some some of the best lyrics on the album as well, I think. Mm. Or some yeah. of my favorite lyrics on the album, but yeah, and um, um, a country of adult infants. It's sort of basically saying. Um, you know, you you might be because uh, the sort of people who sort of go, oh, nanny state. Oh, you can't say this anymore. Oh, you can't just fling abuse at people because you want them to be dead in public in front of children anymore. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's not really what the nanny state is. The nanny state is uh, telling you precisely what you can and can't be. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's very, very good. And then we get to the, the album Closer. Whoops, I OD'd. This is good. This is a, this is a good song. I think it shows like a lot it. of, um, you know, it brings a bit of variety to the album. I don't think there's a slow song like this anywhere else on here. No, even, even Mattersville is quite peppy. Yeah. Oh, Mediocore yeah. is Mediocore quite starts slow. slow, and I suppose bits of Anarchy well, Camp are a little bit 
Anarchy Cats is quite upbeat, but uh, yeah, Media Course starts off slow and then it and then it picks up. But yeah, whoops, I OD'd. Um, I I like the bass as the as I was going to say lead instrument, the exclusively mm. exclusive instruments, yeah. and um, and I I also like the um, I also like the sort of uh, the live version they do on the uh, gotten even worse live. They uh, they have that where the full band joins in and stuff. I uh, it's I, good I, live. I've seen it great. live. Yes, um, I've, as have I. It's it's wonderful. But I think um, yeah, the interesting story about it's it's very strange because uh, <clears throat> after this, Mike will mainly be doing um, pro drug songs. But um, this one sort of yeah, drugs can go wrong. I would love to see no effects do a stripped down acoustic set mm. and for them to play uh whoops i od'd um eat the meek um you're wrong yeah yes exactly exactly you're wrong yes um and basically for them to do like an mtv unplug truck stop blues <laughs> let's not get carried away okay sorry sorry uh, <laughs> sorry uh, i just i just had a gulp from my cup of insanity for a moment so i'm, I'm back now um my orphan year i, I would put oh in, lovely yeah in the round of this track yeah. um, oh, that's wonderful yeah absolutely uh which again is one of I, I almost chose that as my favorite song of no effects i think my orphan year is fantastic mm. um but yeah, like I, I w- it's something that I haven't heard them do. I don't know if they have done anything like that over their career. But if they did like a stripped down set of like just their slower songs, I think that would be really interesting. Mike is currently doing his the uh, Fat Mike gets strung out, ah. which is uh, nothing to do with the band Strung Out. Uh, it's um, essentially a string quartet. Mm, yeah. versions of uh, his music they, he's released a couple of uh videos one is i think it's an original called i'm a rat mm-hmm. and then oh, there was a i cannot remember the name it was it was a no effects a pre-existing no effects song but you'll be able to find it if you just search fat mike get strung out on yeah. youtube or whatever uh that's where i saw them um so I think, because I imagine he would slightly bulk at the idea of a a heavy band doing an acoustic interpretation of their shit, because that would be predictable. Whereas a string quartet version is not as predictable. And obviously he's friends with uh, Baz the Frenchman, who did the uh, Decline stuff and is one of the, the decomposers. Um uh, production groups so i would like that as well i agree with you uh i'm just not holding my breath for it um, yeah and i yeah. think also now they've announced that they're sort of stopping the touring and stuff i think to, if they started putting out acoustic stuff as well not that he's opposed to it of course because i think he has released um like was tony sly's um acoustic stuff on fast i think he's, he's definitely put out music that is acoustic yeah, and I think there was a um, there was a Fat Records compilation that was unplugged, that was all acoustic music, including uh, the decline, the orca- orchestra 
version. I, it does so. surprise me because I think one thing that I realized, like, you know, through us researching these albums and, and, and listening to all we have for this podcast is like Fat Mike seems really, he thinks it's important to have variety to a back catalog. You know, like, mm. I feel like he wrote The Decline because he was like, oh, well, let's write a really long song because we're known for short songs. So let's yeah. let's shake things up a bit. And I feel like he's done that throughout his career. So I, I'm really surprised that we haven't got an acoustic EP at some point or a live DVD of an acoustic show. Yeah, because, I mean, Rancid have done that. Have uh, they? Yeah, I think there's... They've they've definitely done, like, a couple of acoustic concerts. You can find them on YouTube um, with their former drummer. So it was a while ago with uh, yeah. Brett. And he was playing guitar as well. He was joining in. Um, and they've done some other bits and bobs around there. Um, like... The Interrupters, for example, do acoustic stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, there are punk bands who, who love that kind of stuff. Uh, I think uh, Lagwagon, Joey Cape has just brought out an acoustic guitar in the middle of Lagwagon shows and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also done, he did stuff with Tony Sly. Um, uh, I should point out, as we're recording this, uh, Tony Sly has been uh, gone for 11 years and a couple mm-hmm. of days. Uh, never forget Tony Sly. This will be going out much later than that, but just wanted to make that make that clear. Um, and so I think, um, yeah, and so he's sort of quite pro acoustic music. Yeah, for whatever reason has felt maybe it would be a bit corny for him to put that out. I don't know. I wonder if they've tried it and they're like, "This sounds shit." <laughs> That's possible as well. I go, oh, let's never mention this again. Everyone goes, yeah, all right, then fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's possible because you'd you'd have to go through the back catalogue with a fine tooth comb because, and maybe Eric Melvin's guitar playing just doesn't fit right on an acoustic. Maybe I don't know. It's, 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 <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to know. Unless it turns out he's like the world's greatest finger picker, and we just never knew. <laughs> right? Yeah, like yeah. a flamenco guitar. Yeah, picker. yeah or like fucking Cat Stevens all over the shit. You know, it's like yeah, that'd be interesting. But you know, even if it's shit, I want to hear it. Look, hey, no effects. I've heard liberal animation. I don't mind if you're a bit shit. Yeah, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, it's uh, there are worse things than being a bit shit. You could be boring, and that would just. That would be unforgivable. So, uh, you know, I like a lot of music that's a bit shit, but it's exciting. That's fine. Uh, that's that's all uh, That's all the better. So, um, so yeah, so we had Spike from Me First and the Gimme Gimme's also doing some additional vocals on here, but uh, Melvin and Hefe do get to sing on this, which is uh, nice. Um, uh, I like they say that uh, on the liner notes, recorded at Motor City Studios, San Francisco, except 13 Stitches, which wasn't actually recorded anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> which I enjoy. Um, so, yeah, it was um, apparently the uh, the Sasquatch Gang is a film from 2006, uh, written and directed by uh, Tim Scooson, who was the first assistant director on Napoleon Dynamite. Wow. The tenuous links to Napoleon. It's not that tenuous, but you know. Anyway, uh, Idiots are taking over is the DVD menu uh, soundtrack on there. 
How exciting. Yeah, and uh, several lines from Regaining Unconsciousness were recited during an episode of One Tree Hill. (laughs) Really dating this. And uh, if you had Tony Hawk's Underground, you'll have heard Separation of Church and Skate. I think that's probably where I first heard No Effects. Very possible, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Oh, wow, I didn't know this. Pop punk band MXPX released a cover of Franco on American on the 2nd of July 2019 with updated lyrics reflecting the contemporary American political climate. Ah. The cover artwork mimics the war on errorism with the caricature of Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell in place of George W. Bush. How interesting. Yeah. I've not heard it, but uh, MXPX, uh, formerly Christian punk rock band, uh, now are no longer that. Um, And I think because um, Mike refused to put out, uh, he wouldn't put out Christian bands on Fat. So, But I think MXPX have released something through Fat recently. I could be wrong, though. Um, yeah, I sort of associate this sort of war and errorism era with that rise of like the new atheist. Yeah, which, ugh. um, I it's when um it was when Americans suddenly went, to, "Hey, I don't believe in God," and loads of other Americans went and like clutched their pearls, <laughs> and and a lot of people in the UK went, "I don't understand who's getting upset about what here." This is. Being secular is really, really run-of-the-mill in the UK. But basically, it was a a brilliant way of saying, I hate Muslims and don't understand them, by going, oh, no, 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 I'm an atheist. I think think believing in God is bad. (sighs) (laughs) Particularly your brown one. Oops, did I say that out loud? That's the sort of... Yeah, you know, I I think it's the biggest cultural difference between the UK and the US. I don't know. We have like a lot of US listeners. I think the majority of our listeners are from the US. But over here in the UK, like we are like such a secular nation, like Mm. the, the, the Christian right don't seem to have as much of an economic hold on British culture. Not to say that we don't suffer from all sorts of bad, awful conservatism, but... um... No, but but it doesn't tend to have a Bible in its hand at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly enough, when this was, you know, obviously when the war on terrorism and uh, and all the rest of it around the world, uh, the US, George W. Bush, who was always sort of a very, you know, Christ-first sort of conservative uh, Republican. We had Tony Blair at the time, who waited until he was no longer... He'd been prime minister for, what, 12 years or something. Mm -hmm. He waited until he was no longer prime minister to say that he was a practicing Roman Catholic because he said, if you let people know you're religious, they think you're a bit weird. (laughs) Like, he he literally distanced himself from his own faith. And and as uh, that's a very, very different thing you know it, it, that that that's quite notable isn't it i suppose there's a difference in in yeah. sort of how one goes about politically because in in america like you obviously you have to announce like what religion you are but you tend to also have to announce like specifically which church and parish you yeah. are affiliated with whereas yeah. in the uk we've had a lot of high profile politicians over the past over recent years when they come out as like oh i'm catholic it the the conversation tends to shift to Oh, okay. So, what do you think about gays? And would you, um, 
you know, would would you create policies that would, uh, you know, but like, do you yeah. think being gay is a sin, and would yeah. you legislate against that? Would and a lot of them really dogs. struggle with the question. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, it, well, 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 faith is is a very personal issue for me. So you know, and it's, yeah, and all that kind of thing. Um, they do tend, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I um, do think they'll go to hell, but I would love a cup of tea with one of them. Yeah, look, I think they are going to hell, but I wouldn't do anything to try and stop them. <laughs> You wouldn't, okay, yeah. So it's uh, so it's interesting, and and so and so then, and I think that it was this period, and I that where people sort of started saying, you know, uh, I, I sort of equate this time with like Bill Maher and um, the less appealing element aspects of Christopher Hitchens, and yeah, sure, those kind of um, that sort of thing. Where, people who like George Carlin a little bit too much. People who like George Carlin and have fundamentally misunderstood yeah. George yeah. Carlin. Yeah, it's yeah. that kind of thing. I like the way I like the way that he um, he he slagged off people who uh, used frou frou language. Like, yeah, yeah, he did. What about the bits where he hated massive corporations? Well, he didn't really mean that. Obviously, he thought they were good. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, poor George, oh, George Carlin must be absolutely wherever he is. Well, one, if he's in heaven, he'll be livid. Um, but if, um, <laughs> but, but wherever, if he's, if he's able to, uh, ascertain any of this stuff, he must be fucking fuming. Uh, poor bastard. Anyway, we've diverted slightly, but yeah, we're an errorism. Uh, thumbs up from me. Absolutely. Same from me. And I think it's, you know, th- this is a real, you know, I think this really marks a shift in who no effects are. I, I think like we've already started along this path with some of their previous albums, particularly with Pump Up the Vallum. Mm. But I do see War on Errorism as like the next phase of no effects. I I think this is when they become naughty's no effects. Yes. I, yeah. I appreciate Pump Up the Vallum was released in 2000, but the naughty's didn't start until 9-11. Mm. to be honest culturally politically uh, it, it's like the same and way that, it's the same arguably way the, 90, yeah. the 90s started in 88 culturally it, it's it you know that yeah the, yeah when uh when reagan was go, the the so the soviet union was no longer there yeah reagan was no longer you know um uh president everything was a little bit different it all shifted so obviously we are talking about the west here we appreciate that if you're not listening in from there we, we sorry uh, to our listeners in the philippines absolutely yes and uh and all the rest of it um uh, which we do have and we'd love to have you um because my birthday is filipino independence day exciting 12th of june yeah absolutely so um so that's exciting um so uh yeah so uh it this is where naughty's no effects really starts for me and um and I think it's uh, a very uh, it's a very interesting period. I mean, the next thing they release um, the following year, they release their greatest hits. Yeah, you know, and then uh, <clears throat> and then it's uh, three years uh, until they release Wolves in Wolves Clothing. But I think for the next one, we'll do. Should we do Never Trust a Hippie and? Um, uh, wolves in wolves clothing 
Yeah, that's a good idea. Because Never Trust a Hippie is six songs. Um, good songs first, as well. The first two are from Wolves in Wolves Clothing. Yeah, sure. So... Um, I mean, we so probably we've... should have included Regaining Unconsciousness with this one. Well, to be honest, Regaining Unconsciousness only has one extra song. Yeah. It's got Mediocre, Idiots Are Taking Over, Franco and American, and Hardcore 84, which I listened to just before recording this and didn't feel the need to comment on. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, not brilliant. Um, and a commercial as a secret track for, which is sort of a, quite a funny advert of El Jefe um, doing a sort of like a an infomercial thing for the new NoFX album. It's kind of fun. Well, it, it, I would say the one thing that Warren Arism is missing is a little bit of Hefe's like like anything like v- vocally from Hefe. I feel like we're not getting much. It does say that he does vocals on this. He sings "You Killed It Now, You Freed the Dove," in, uh, uh, so he does that, and I assume some backing vocals as well. Uh, we get a nice bit of trumpet here and there. Yeah, not enough silly voices. No, hardly any at all. Uh, which is a great shame. But yeah, so we'll do Never Trust a Hippie, which is which is a banger of a, an EP. Um, yeah, and uh, then Wolves in Wolves Clothing, which uh, I'm looking forward to because, oh, fuck me, that's like 18 songs, 19, including the, the, the unlisted track. Yeah, 46 minutes, this um, Wolves and Wolves clothing. That's quite a long album for them. It's a very long album, yeah. Um, and no songs are three minutes or above. Just having yeah. a quick look here, apart from the unlisted. Well, the unlisted track is like 11 minutes. So, <laughs> so if we take that away, we're down to like 35. So I think it's actually uh, quite a comfortable album. Anyway, oh, yeah. uh, we'll be talking about some other stuff in the outro but if you've got anything you'd like to say about the war on errorism uh punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com yeah always love to hear from you yep let's see what future selves are talking about in the outro well there you go i think that was a pretty comprehensive dissection of war on errorism yeah good album interesting album fun to talk about Really, really good fun. Uh, very strange, like we said in there. It's sort of half like heavy political and sometimes we've got a friend and she's got no arms, but very, very good. Quite succinct as well. Yeah, lots of fun. Um, I think it's, uh, hey, I mean, we've chatted about it enough. You don't need any of my extra input, but it is good. <laughs> it is good, yes. Uh, let us know what you thought about War on Errorism. Uh, punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com because we've got some uh you know we're we're getting into sort of a big meaty midsection of no effects now we're sort of mm. well into the noughties and so we've got a couple more releases for this decade coming up and then we get into the 2010s and all the rest of it so it's it's mad how how many decades we've got <laughs> And I think the albums start getting quite divisive from here on out. There's a lot of differing opinions about the upcoming albums. Well, the next big one is Wolves. And Mm. some people 
Oh, it's like a four-letter word. They they don't like it at all. So strange. I, it is. I would I would say it's one of their strongest, but like I, I, I really like wolves, but um it's it's one I think, yeah, you're right. Some people I think they I think they stop being as fat wreck sounding. Mm, they don't okay, sound nineties yeah. anymore. They don't have the slap fats fat wreck sounds they're not they don't have the speed they never do an album as fast yeah i don't think people like the length of songs on wolves i i, I do enjoy it but um, yeah not for everyone i think there are some people who think that the whole out al- i mean that is one of the things that i've seen on people when they've gone oh we're in the studio here's a little clip of um of jefe and karina doing backing vocals and they'll be there stood around a microphone like giving it some ah whatever you know doing the singing and someone will write oh another slow no effects album pass it's like oh, <laughs> all right you're fanny you don't have to fucking buy it then slow no effects album <laughs> oh no come off it anyway uh so but that's then, all. but then those people will be like yeah it's a slow album unlike heavy petting zoo yeah, yeah, yeah. My favourite one. So everyone's an idiot. It's like, <laughs> to is, your house. I'd say it's relatively mid-tempo, that album, but I don't know. It's got some really fast bits on it. Um, you know, Wolves in Wolves Clothing. It starts off. Yeah, it's fast. It's fast but, then it, but then it's super fast. Anyway, we'll get to Wolves in Wolves Clothing, all right? Don't you worry. We're, uh, we're uh, getting ahead of ourselves. But uh, you got anything coming up um, in the next week? What have I, I do, got? I just, uh... I'm just, I'm just working a lot. We've, you know, we hit this um, busy period at work, so we've got like a lot of stand-up shows. We've had Mark Simmons, Ed Byrne, and Peter Serafenowicz as Brian Butterfield this week at the Leadville. Oh, lovely. Um, and then I've been busy writing the Panto. Yes, of course. Which is almost finished. Um, Good. It feels like a Panto. Good. It's got a lot of very, very silly jokes in it. Is that where you've got to have some stuff in front of the curtains so they can change the scenes? Yeah. And then and then you open it up and go, oh, they've changed the scene. Oh. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's normally like a little line about like, I know a shortcut. It should be just behind this curtain. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Huh. We need to be there. So for the sake of plot, we are. That's great. <laughs> Very much. It's yeah. very there's that's there's very very liberating about it. No, you know there will be there's always some kid who goes, "I'll get that up fast though," which is really funny. There is, yeah, definitely. Always one technically obsessed child just going, "No, no, 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 no." I was believing the giant and the beanstalk and everything and the talking harp, but uh-huh. that's easy half a day's journey. They don't even have cars. <laughs> it's like you know. That's uh, that's my favourite bit of a pantomime. <laughs> the kid who chooses one detail to be incredulous about. <laughs> um, I don't really have much going on. Um, the, the following week, the, the week after this is, and I'm on the 28th Thursday, I'm in Chippenham headlining uh, Will Hodgson's gig at the Old Road Tavern. But uh, no notable gigs up till then. So uh, let's put my... MOT certificates back in my diary so I can uh, book an MOT. So there you go. That's what I'm doing. It's exciting, isn't it? Well, I think we'll uh, we'll call it there for today on Punk Rock Elite Podcast. 
a podcast about no effects. We've not said the full name of the show in months, but I think everyone <laughs> already knows what it is. Thank you ever so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Get in touch if you wish. Uh, thanks, Red. Thank you, Eddie. You're welcome. See you all later, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a Pick Scraped and Fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribed to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.